Psalm 28 gives us a real clear picture of the shepherd carrying the sheep. And I love it. And we sometimes forget or overlook some of the things that we learn in the the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, because it's so different than our culture and our society. What does it mean to be carried by the shepherd? What does it mean to be anointed? We're going to get into that and some more things today. I pray this episode blesses you. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are reading Psalm 28, which is a Psalm of David. Starting in verse 1. To you I call, O Lord, my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back upon them what they deserve. Since they show no regard for the works of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in this song. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. So Psalm 28 is a is a pretty straightforward psalm, but there's a couple things that I want to point out that I think are helpful when we are learning how to understand and read through the psalms. 
At this point, what we're seeing here is David, as the psalmist, is wondering if God is even listening to his his prayers. So verses 1 through 3 is really David questioning. And I think like David, every believer has to be in a place where we keep reaching out to God through this deeper relationship, this desire for deeper relationship with God through Jesus. And that's how we have access to God the Father. And I think sometimes there's a disconnect between what we feel and what we know. Sometimes we don't feel like perhaps our prayers are being answered, but we know that God hears us. Sometimes the answer is a no. Sometimes the answer is a not yet. Sometimes the answer is wait. And so even in those moments that feel like God's not answering us, Sometimes the silence is the answer. And I think that's what we're, we're seeing with David right here. And, and what we know is the Lord has promised to respond to us with comfort, with help, with guidance, with peace. Even if we're not getting the answer that we want or that we're aiming for or that we're, we're expecting, that answer of peace in the middle of the waiting is an answer. Psalm 28 overall is kind of a complaint. I mean, it's really a lament. We've been in these lament Psalms through this first part of Psalms. We see a lot of these. I think it's important to point out though, that this is an individual complaint song really from, from David to God. And when he's talking about the I, the I is really meaning him, not necessarily corporate. Uh, it's not speaking on behalf of Israel. It's really speaking on behalf of himself. Sometimes we see the I when we're talking about the Psalms as a corporate thing. But today we're really talking about this individual complaint prayer that, that David is doing. And I think that for that reason, it's important to point out that sometimes when you're reading God's word, sometimes it's prescriptive and sometimes it's descriptive. And what I mean by that is you know, there's been different times in my life where um, I have either heard it taught this way or I myself have interpreted this way where I see what's going on in the scriptures and I want to model my life after that person. And while there's certainly a lot of instances where we, you know, can do that, I think it's dangerous to do that when we don't have a clear picture of what's going on. And Aside from Jesus and modeling our behavior and our thought patterns after Jesus, we have to recognize that the pages in scripture are full of people and people are flawed and they're human and they, they sin. And, and sometimes it's hard to understand this, but sometimes we see or we read about sin in scripture and it's hard to reconcile that because it's scripture. Um, we see this, you know, David got into a, a mess, a heap of a mess a couple different times. Um, it doesn't discredit who he was in terms of what God did in and through him, but it does reveal some of his sinful nature or his humanness. So when we're talking about prescriptive versus descriptive, sometimes when we read things, it's not prescriptive, meaning it's not telling us that we need to do this and act this way. Sometimes it's descriptive. It's just showing us what somebody in the Bible did. And through that process, it reveals stuff to us about God's character and God's nature. And and we know that God doesn't change. So God's character and nature in the way that he dealt with David is going to be similar to the way that he deals with us. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we do everything that David does. So I think uh, it's helpful to 
think through that anytime we're reading in scripture and understand like and decipher the difference between the two. Is this something that I should be modeling my life after? Or is this an example to me of how God intervenes by his grace despite our flawed human condition? So I wanted to point that out. This psalm starts with a prayer and it ends with a prayer, which I think is important to point out. And initially in verse one, he says something that that I wanted to mention. He calls the Lord his rock. It says, to you I call, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. So the Hebrew word for call, it really carries this idea of prayer that is accompanied by a great cry. So we have seen this in other places in the Psalms. There's other places in scripture where, where we see that. Um, and Yahweh himself is called the rock in other places, especially in Hebrew pro- poetry. So in Genesis and Deuteronomy, uh, other places in the Psalms, and there's even an allusion here to different places where, like it talks about in Mount Sinai uh, or the temple that was built upon the rock. This idea of the rock symbolizes God's security and strength. But think about what that means, the, the Hebrew verb, as a prayer that has a great cry. There's a lot of emotion behind that. And I think sometimes, you know, the word pray can mean a lot of different things depending on the emotion that's behind it. You know, we know just by the way that we pray, sometimes it's a silent prayer. Sometimes it's a a weeping prayer. Sometimes it's a praise prayer. Sometimes it's a exclamation prayer. This is a prayer that is accompanied by a great cry. So we see that there's a lot of emotions. So when he's saying to you, I call this prayer of calling God with this great cry, Oh Lord, my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me. Really, David is crying out and saying, God, don't ignore me. Don't ignore me in in the middle of my heartache or sorrow or fear or whatever it was, whatever emotion he was talking about. And then in verse 2, 28 verse 2, it talks about the hands. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Among all of the postures of worship, the lifting of the hands in prayer is the most commonly mentioned in the ancient Near Eastern cultures. And so not just in Israel, but outside of Israel too, there was this idea that the prayers were accompanied by raised hands. And so the gesture is really one of both, well, two things, both submission and then also like this hopeful appeal to God. And so we see that illustrated in Egyptian art. We see it in, um, well, lots of different places in, in that culture. And it seems like sometimes we forget about that in response to our prayer when we are, you know, in verse one, it's showing David being in this, this prayer that's accompanying a call. But then in verse two, hands are raised in submission. And I think about that, like in the moments where I am dealing with heartache or I'm dealing with brokenness or grief or sorrow, am I also submitting? And I don't know that I, that I am. I mean, I, I, if I'm thinking back over 
the last year or so in the moments where I've had emotional pleas in my prayers, I don't know that I was necessarily thinking about submission at the time. So this, again, this might be one of these areas that are prescriptive versus later in the Psalm, we see descriptive, like, like sometimes we see David questioning God or we see David pleading with God, or later we see D- David's life where he has, you know, really fallen into sin. Those things are not prescriptive, they're descriptive. But when we see David heartfelt cry, and then in a posture of surrender, that certainly is prescriptive. Because I think what that does for us is it it helps us understand, you know, David was called a man after God's own heart. It helps us understand that portion of his relationship with God, where in the surrender, he finds this unique relationship that um, is different than the other relationships that that others in ancient Mesopotamia would have had with their gods. Our God, Yahweh, is a deeply personal God that pursues us because he wants relationship with us. And while there were other religions at the time that believed in a personal God, it was never for the sake of relationship. The personal God might be, you know, to bless them or to give them favor or to, you know, be at their beck and call for protection or something, but it was not for the basis of this communal relationship that, that we see, um, Yahweh. I mean, it's the reason why he sent Jesus. The reason why God sent Jesus is to restore our relationship with him. And that's unlike any other religion from ancient Mesopotamia until now. It's completely different than anything else. And so the way we respond to God in in that pursuit of, of our relationship, I think it does have to start with surrender. Whether things are going good, whether things are going bad, all the way around. Because our lives should be a posture of surrender. Okay, now going down to verse 3. Do not drag me, me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. One of the things that often comes up in the Psalms that always seems to just be beneath the surface is this focus on moral integrity. And so the Hebrew faith really did require, still does, require this consistency of thought and action. Excuse me. So what we'll, what I mean by that is like in the Ten Commandments, you will move from an action in the world to a consistency between the thoughts of that we're thinking. So, for example, in... Um, in like Exodus, there is a prohibition on adultery. And then three verses later, the Ten Commandments prohibit committing that same sin in thought. And so what we see over and over is one of the great sins of um, Christianity, really, of humanity in general, for that matter, is hypocrisy. And it's precisely what what David's talking about here. The sin of the evildoers who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. It's 
the reason why that consistency of both thought and action is so important in the Psalms and in the Hebrew faith, and even in the in the Christian faith, he, when I say Hebrew faith, I'm I'm specifically talking about um, biblical Hebrew, and especially, you know, you have you have to remember these were all Hebrews; they were all Jewish before Jesus came on the scene. It was birthed Christianity was birthed um, in the Hebrew religion initially, so um, the impact that that faith has on individuals that we read about in the old testament it's it's an it's a tension it's an underlying tension that i don't think is unique to them i think we experience that as believers today and so if we're getting to a place where we want to pursue the truth about god um god's relationship in our lives you know all of those kinds of things we have to get to a place where we recognize the connection between our thoughts and our actions. And, um, you know, there are so many, I want to say, I don't know, 10, 20 pastors in the last year or two, three years that have fallen from grace because their private life has been made public. And, you know, we all probably know people at our church that have a very similar struggle. Sometimes it's even, you know, even in ministry, you have that where, where publicly they will have one face, but then privately we have another. And so that hypocrisy is so dangerous because it gives an opportunity for the enemy to, to stand in and steal what God's trying to do in your life. Um, not just in your own life, but when others, when we see others sin that way. And so this idea of hypocrisy that he's addressing here is, is really something that I think we can take away even now, um, and really make sure that we're guarding our hearts against exactly what this is saying. Don't, don't drag me away with the wicked and those who do evil. We don't want to get caught up with all of that. And I, I think it's easy to do as humans. It's part of the human condition. It's very easy to do, but we want to guard our hearts against that. Okay, let's jump down to verse eight. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating the anointed one. It's talking about the Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. So the, the Lord is the strength of his people for his anointed. We've talked about what it means for a leader to be anointed or, um, Jesus to be anointed, but here he's calling us his anointed, or he's, he's referencing followers of Yahweh, followers of God as anointed. And I, I think it's important to explain what that means. If, if you're not familiar, the, in that culture, kings would be anointed. And, you know, we talk about the Messiah being anointed, but oil was used in a lot of different kinds of contracts. So like even in a marriage contract, there would be oil, anointing oil that would be used in a marriage contract. And so what we see is this allusion to this idea of a covenant relationship, a contract relationship between God and his people. And so if he's calling us anointed, it's with this understanding that there is a covenant relationship between God's people 
and, and, and Yahweh and God. And so that is something that we sometimes very easily forget or we miss because we don't really have anointing in our culture. But that's important to remember that there is a covenant relationship. We were bought at a price. There is a contract between God and us when we become followers of Jesus. And that anointing sets us apart. In verse 9, it says, Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. So this is a very brief one-sentence prayer that's beautiful. It's a beautiful way to close out the psalm. Just like it, like I said, it opens with a, song, with a prayer. It closes with a prayer. But both people and inheritance are things that we want to pay attention to. Um, your inheritance, somebody's inheritance, you know, we know this. It's property that's passed down, or money sometimes, that's passed down through the family line. And it's to be held perpetually by the family. Spiritually, no one can lay claim to Israel, God's special people, God's inheritance. Nobody can claim them other than God. And so um, in the NIV, it says, be their shepherd. And, and it's literally meaning in the Hebrew, it means to shepherd them. And so the shepherd will carry his lambs on his shoulders. We talked about this when we did uh, Psalm 23. The shepherd carries the lambs on his shoulders or sometimes against their chest. In Isaiah, we see this picture of the shepherd, uh, chapter 40, carrying the, the lamb against their chest. And he does that to protect them, to nurture them, to cuddle them. And it's also used, um, that same verb is used to describe a man who is carrying his child. And um, in Deuteronomy, it talks about Moses, where the Lord has carried Israel through the wilderness. Moses is saying this, the Lord has carried Israel through the wilderness like a man carries his son. And so it's this picture of tenderness, of care, of concern, of love. And then that expression behind the word forever, it of course, refers to a very long period of time, but it's talking about whether it's in the past, in the present, or in the future. And so we want to be careful when we read this that we're not, we're not skipping over this idea of how the shepherd is present with us in our circumstances. And you know, we, we see David doubting God sometimes, but yet he loves God and he'll waffle between the two. I do that too. I do that too. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to skip over this fact that David is with confidence relying on Yahweh as the shepherd, as the shepherd carries us forever. I love that picture of the shepherd carrying us as his sheep. So let's read it again. To you I call, O Lord my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. 
Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back upon them what they deserve, since they show no regard for the works of the Lord and what his hands have done. He will tear them down and never build them up again. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Father God, we thank you that you were the shepherd and we are the sheep. God, help us to have that picture in our minds that you are the one that carries us close to nurture us, to cuddle us, to protect us, to walk with us when we are broken, when we are hurting, when we just can't walk on our own. God, thank you for this picture that David shows of us, this picture that shows you as a shepherd carrying us forever, that there will never be a time in our lives where we will not have access to you as a shepherd. God, I thank you for the way that you continue to pursue David in the scriptures, the way that you continue to pursue us, even in moments where we doubt, or even in the moments where we are, we have fallen into the temptation of sin and, and allowed ourselves to become separated from you. God, thank you that you are a God that pursues us, that calls us back into really right relationship with you. Lord, I pray for my friend today that as they go throughout their day, they would sense your spirit upon them and recognize how much they are loved. We thank you and praise you in all things. Amen. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.